Alex, we're back. Hi, Adam. Hey, Alex. You sound tired. Yeah, I've I've been back at work. I'm there for the winter break, and uh, it's in the warehouse, right? And you're moving a lot of kitchen appliances, so my arms are dead. It hurts to put a backpack on, but I'm <laughs> I'm hustling through, Alex. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. We may How's or may your- not have breaking news. Really? For the first time, we have breaking news, and it's actually quite big. What's up? Pete DeBoer is out as San Jose coach, according to Elliot Friedman. Oh, wow. How long ago was this broke? What did this come out, Alex? 35 seconds ago. That is incredible. So Pete DeBoer, of course, we all thought the Sharks were getting up to speed, but I think they've lost their last few games, of course. You know what's weird? I always thought that it was just the goaltending getting down, but I was looking earlier today. Martin Jones has some good numbers, at least their last games. So, uh, what do you make first? And we were going to start off with Bianca and Dreshu, but you know when when <clears throat> Friedman drops a bomb like this, your initial impressions: the San Jose Sharks coaching genes, Pete Bedore, Bedore is Debor is out, and I'm assuming is this just a hockey thing? Like no thing at all when it comes to personal reasons. Not being a racist or anything. No, Friedman said it was uh, purely, ho- it was purely a hockey decision, nothing else. And LeBron reported, Pierre LeBron reported the same thing. Now, I think we had a discussion about uh, coaches on the hot seat just quickly, uh, either I think about a couple episodes ago, and I thought Pete DeBoer was on the hot was on the hot seat. Uh, th- right now, they sit. Let's see. They don't. They're not sitting too finely. They are sixth in the wild card race with thirty-two points and thirty-three games played. And Vegas, who sits in a wild in the second wild card spot, has thirty-seven points in the same amount of games played. Can I read you not, some Sorry, go ahead. It's not looking too good for this team. Well, I'm looking at Yahoo Sports, and when it comes to you know some more advanced numbers here, uh, they're 21st when it comes to goal for. They're 30th of goals against. Their power play is 23rd. Their penalty kill is number one, but it seems to be in all all the wrong categories. They're at the top, and of course, um, if you look at a guy like Eric Eric Carlson's plus minus, it's not looking good. So. I won't. I won't lie to you, Alex. I think I I was in a bit of false hope when it came came to the Sharks this season. I really didn't pay that much attention to the negative here. But uh, this is. I don't know why I didn't see this coming, but this this is massive. I just need I a tweet here. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say I don't think a lot of people saw this coming at the beginning of the season. Obviously, obviously we know they have some pretty big contracts in Eric Carlson and Brett Burns and their forward core is, is there too. It just seemed depleted at the beginning of the year, especially missing uh, Evander Kane for the first three games. Mm-hmm. So we it, it was a big surprise, and I know we both talked about Martin Jones and even Aaron Dell just not performing up to standards uh, when it comes to this team. They both right now still sit with a save percentage below 900 and a goals against average of above 300. 
So that was really funny, Alex. That I'm just just seeing on Twitter. Uh, well, tell first, me. I think you saw this yesterday. Dimitri Filipovic <clears throat> that there have been four coaching changes in the NHL since Detroit last won a game. Uh, it's now up to five. By the way, the Red Wings twelve game losing streak. That's incredible. Uh, also, that's that's funny. We're recording this during the Habs Ottawa game, and the Sens are now up one nothing. God damn it! And guess who scores? Uh, Pajot. No, Vladislav Nemestikov, oh. the guy that uh, you were not okay with them acquiring, and now I'm not okay with that either. <laughs> but, Alex, do we want to start in going into the power hour? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, congratulations, Bianca Andreshu. She wins the Lou Marshall, which is basically given to the uh, the best Canadian athlete of the year. Wayne Gretzky has won it four times. Uh, Carey Price actually won it back in 2015. But, of course, uh, it was a slam dunk that Bianca was going to uh, win it this year, wasn't it? I cannot think of any other individual athlete who would have won this award. No. Tell me about – so I, I see – there's a lot of there were a lot of good candidates this year, despite Bianca being the clear cut. There was a good crop this year. There there was Andre DeGrasse, the track and field runner. There was obviously Jordan Bennington, who surprised everyone last year and basically brought the St. Louis Blues to the Stanley Cup final and won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I I don't remember his first name, but there was the baseball pitcher Soratka who. I'm not a big baseball fan, but next time we have Daniel on, he'll probably tell us a whole lot about him. There were also a couple people who weren't on that list who I thought uh, potentially could have made it in uh, Alfonso Davies, who plays uh, for the best team in soccer team in Germany, and Chuba Hubbard, I think I said that right, who plays Division One football and leads in rushing yards, Damn. which is which is there's a lot. It's a it's a good time to be a Canadian athlete. And I'd even mention the other tennis stars in Shapovalov and Ojeali Asim. So, mm. uh, some some good news to some rough news, but I think something we all saw coming really. Uh, Russia have been banned for four years from major international sporting competitions over doping incidents. Uh, so that the big ones there are the World Cup and, of course, the next Olympics that are going to be gone from. Uh, yeah, we saw this coming, Alex, didn't we? Yeah, we we did see this coming just because there it didn't seem like they were really cooperating a whole lot with um, with. I don't know who they had to report to and the name's not I think the uh, WADA and they right now they have 21 days to accept the decision or either send the matter to the court of arbitration for sport and my guess is they're most likely going to appeal appeal this decision but I'd like to see what happens because listen like it's it, it's a serious incident obviously we know how seriously mm -hmm. doping is a problem and i'd like to see what they do with when it comes to especially russia you know what's really funny you talked about russia not cooperating i was watching this uh this, sh this show on netflix conspiracies and they were it was this crazy you probably heard this theory before that somehow hitler survived the bunker 
and, uh, Adam, uh, the- I watched that same episode. Oh, so you know the part where the guy <laughs> like, oh, the the Soviets wouldn't hand over the body; they wouldn't cooperate, and it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just uh, funny. You tell me Russians not cooperating. I'm like, ah, well, uh, that was a stupid. The English journalist at the beginning, the only point, the only proof he had was was yelling, "This is impossible!" Like, no, <laughs> no, proof. no proof at all. Ridiculous. Oh. Something else. It's not ridiculous, but this is. There's never been a firing, to my knowledge, that has been so hush hush. But the Dallas Stars. Um, to my surprise, and I'm sure yours, Alex, have relieved, or I'll just say, have fired Jim Montgomery due to unprofessional conduct. Now, we we have no no details. No details at all. And I don't know I, what to this. I don't think, I don't, there's not really much to comment on because we actually don't know a lot. We know that something happened. The team was made aware of it. The team c- let the NHL know. An investigation was conducted by the team, and he was relieved of his duties uh, mu- pretty much Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot to comment on just because we don't actually know what happened. And I don't really want to go in and take guesses at what was going on just because that doesn't seem professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, thing- yeah. Sorry, go on. Alex, I'm sorry. I'm so off no, today. No worries. No, there's nothing else. Uh, we'll just okay. see how the Dallas Stars do with the new coach. One thing I, I just want to say, because I was listening to <clears throat> Central at noon, and, I, I, and, of course, they cut to the press conference. One thing I found very interesting, how uh, you could tell, and Jeff Merritt pointed this out, they didn't want to fire him. They clearly had to. Uh, it was interesting that they kept calling him Monty instead of Jim Montgomery. Uh, but anyway, right. the Flyers, who have been we did not talk about, were fantastic in the month of November. Um but a big part of that team, Travis Konechny, is out indefinitely with a concussion. Yeah. Well, listen, he's probably their best player right now. He leads the team in points. Uh, they sit third in the division with 39 points, with 30 games played. Listen, I rem- at the beginning of the season, I said my uh, Jack Adams award was going to Alain Vigneault. And he's really proving me right. So I am I'm happy that this is a team that should make the playoffs. And and that what they were missing was a goalie. And they got a goalie last year. So it sucks that Travis Konechny is injured. I really think they could they could still make the playoffs and push without them. They have players who they can bring up. We can see uh, them using someone like uh, they're a prospect in Morgan Frost, who was doing well uh, with, I guess, limited minutes. But now we'll see. We could potentially be seeing more of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Uh, obviously, you talk about young guys. Pro roster, yeah, Ghost Bear. Uh, Joe Farabee, of course. Um, but, you know, some rough news concussion. Going to some uh, some really, really good news. Mark andre Fleury picks up his first win in his first game back since his father's death. Of course, father passed away from concussion. Uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights, a massive 5-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Mark andre Fleury, great to see him back and get a win in his first game. I think this is exactly what the team needed, Mark andre Fleury back. <laughs> this, is I, exactly, I, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff the league needs right now. Some good oh, yeah. news. Some good news, yes. Uh, now, 
I guess Go we ahead. should move on. We should move on to the board of governors meeting, which no. I have a few notes on. A lot. I'd say it was a big. This is, I think, one of the biggest meetings we've had the past few. <clears throat> well, so obviously, a uh, big point of discussion was the World Cup of Hockey, and we are not going to have a World Cup of Hockey in f- in February of 2021. You care? Uh, uh, there's a there. Here's the thing, because. Uh, a month ago or so, we talked about the Olympics. We talked about, and we talked about the European matches they play in the middle of the season. I think if the NHL wants to be a part of international hockey, they will want to be a part of running the tournament. And that's why, and I know a lot of people don't respect the World Cup of Hockey, but we, and remember, we talked about from a business perspective, the NHL really doesn't, I don't know how much they actually benefit from going to the World Cup, especially overseas. The only place I'd argue that they could really tap into something, what is China, which is where the next Olympics is. So no, honestly, I pardon. And right now, the KHL are a lot more ahead of them when it comes to China. Right. So I think it's important for the for them to go to the Olympics, but I think the players care a lot more about going to the Olympics than the than the league because there the league is going to the league. Sorry, is going to have to pay for everything in travel costs, insurance, etc. Yeah, I I swear to God, Alex, like just just edit me out this episode because I'm just not helping you. Um, what, What I've always been fascinated about, Alex, is, of course, the stars are who we hear talk about the Olympics because they're the ones who go, but what do you think an average NHL player cares about more? The Olympics in their country or the vacation time, if you're an average Joe? The vacation. Or just keep playing hockey. I don't think a lot of players just want to stop playing hockey midseason. Like, how long is the Olymp- the Olympics? They'd go be, they'd stop for what, two weeks? Around there, yeah. Right? So... That's a, a long stretch to not play, and and most of the guys who aren't going, it's not like they're practicing. Most of them are going on vacation, but I think they care. Those guys care more about the vacation. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that was talked about was the uh, salary cap, obviously. Uh, Friedman said that Bettman wouldn't pin down on a, a, a specific number or any type of real range. Now, we know last year he had said uh, he thought the salary cap would be around $83 million, and it ended up being $81.5. Now, there's still a lot of discussion to be had with the PA, especially when it comes to their inflator. But there's belief that it could be uh, $84 to $85 million. So... We'll see. And you know what's really interesting about this one is that next year uh, there's supposed to be a potential lockout. So the the lower there's actually lower cash payouts next season, which means there will be lower escrow, which I still don't understand. But 
Will we ever, Alex? There's um, two. Th- just- there's two things that I don't understand in the NHL: LTIR and escrow. <laughs> and hey, listen, I don't think we ever will, especially LTIR, uh, well, I hope- because the Leafs finding new ways to mess with us. I hope someone can come on this show and explain it to me like I'm an eight-year-old. Exactly. That's uh, what I'm, add, I'm looking for. Just a quick thing from Elliot Freeman a minute ago, um, and I think later on confirmed by Darren Drager, that Bob Bugner, former head coach of the Florida Panthers, uh, current assistant with the Sharks, uh, is expected to take over on the Sharks' bench. Uh, I forgot Bob Bugner was there, and looking at that, I actually think that's a good guy to have behind your bench for the rest of the season. Yeah. And sorry, speaking of uh, the firing, since we were we already moved past it, guess who already recorded their podcast? Oh, no! <laughs> no, they tell me yeah. they did. <laughs> they already recorded it. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so sorry, Steve. No, I'm not. Um, because the two-on-one podcast, we're getting lucky with the news lately, eh? A little bit. A little bit. Um, now, Alex, is there anything more to talk about Board of Governors? Well, there's the code of conduct, and I know today we were supposed to have Daniel on and have our discussion on hockey culture, but he bailed on us, so... Yeah, hopefully, hey, not to- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Hopefully he'll be on Sunday or sometime next week. Yeah, I think it's a good thing we didn't have it today because I- I'm garbage so far. Uh, it would have just been you and Daniel carrying the show, and I would have <laughs> distracted. How so? Well, there's the four point the four point code of conduct. We don't necessarily need to get into that right now. We can get into it when uh, Daniel's on because that's where a lot of my points come into. But yeah. just to sum it up, it is basically what we talked about last episode. Good. So, yeah. Uh, so I see on the notes you have the Forbes update list of hockey valuations. Uh, and and you, you have said here, don't look at the list. So I have not looked at this list, Alex. Okay, so would you care to guess who ranks at the bottom of the league? Like the, the, like the lowest valued team? Uh, yes, sir. I'm going to guess that it is the Florida Panthers. You are close. Ooh, it is the Arizona Panthers. No, it's the I, Arizona Coyotes. I, did, I meant to say Carolina, not Calgary. I'm so sorry. Uh, oh. Yeah, Arizona is a good guess because you know that's that's a fair one. Yeah. Three hundred million. Wow. Now, yeah. And would you like to take a guess at the the per the team with the highest one year value change in percent? A one year value change, you say? Yes. Ooh, Carolina. No, I was surprised by that, but no. Who? The New Jersey Devils at 21%. <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting. And guess what's going back down again? The value. You know, uh, I was going to say Rangers for a second, but then I realized, wait, they're like the richest team in the league or like top three. So never mind. Well, the top five are uh, New York, uh, one point six five billion. The Leafs Jesus. at one point. Pardon? I just said Jesus because that's yeah. so much money. The Leafs at one point five. 
uh, billion, sorry, the Canadians at 1.34 billion, Chicago, Chicago at 1.085 billion. And for the first time, the Boston Bruins have hit the $1 billion mark. I'm surprised they weren't there before, eh? They're the fifth team in the NHL to hit the one billion mark. You know what? I'm I'm happy my Habs are still top three, and uh, you know, of course, the Rangers. You know, I'm sure TD Garden's a big part. They're not TD. I'm sure um, the Garden there is massive, all that. So, but hey, um, yeah, I I mean, the big surprise for me there is New Jersey. I mean, yeah, it's gonna drop down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird, but what are you, you going to do? Uh, do you think it will be lower than what it was last year? No, 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 no. I don't think so. All right. Um, I'm going to say forget the pop quiz because uh, it was going to be a Sith one. What Sith are you? But I don't think that was going to work. So, Alex, let me ask you, what is your read of the bye week? My read of the bye week from Pierre Lebrun. And it talks about the NHL's four-point plan to address abuse in the game as an important first step. And it is on The Athletic. Of course obviously. it is. Uh, mine is also The Athletic. It, it's, it is, uh, mine's a bit less serious. It's from Arpan Basu of The Athletic. How Ben Sherratt has helped unlock the offensive beast lying dormant inside Shea Weber. Of course it's about Ben Sherratt. Did you... Big Ben, did you see Shea Weber's wraparound? I did see Shea Weber's wraparound. And it hurt a little bit because it was against Tristan Yari, who yeah. everyone's been talking about. Who is going to be a Leaf. No, no, he's not. He's not. Speaking of the Leafs, Alex, why do you have the name Brandon Pruss under the oh. Leafs? Why is Brandon Give me Pruss... one second. <laughs> like... Give me what? Let me pull it. Sorry, I forgot to pull that up. I remember he said something about, like, Hunter would have done a better job because, God damn it, Brandon Press, you know? Guy who was at one time, I think he was a PTO under the Leafs, a former Hab as well yeah, as Brandon Press. I think he Press. played, like, one game under something. I don't know. Let me, let me do this for you. Brandon Press. What a goofball. I know, <laughs> those honestly. Are you for, okay. Oh, sorry. So, I have, it, I have it up here. It says, this is Brandon Press... Uh, on Twitter. Imagine the Maple Leafs picked an actual hockey GM when they had the chance. They'd be a contender right now with Mark Hunter. But that's not the best part. So I'm not sure what website this is, but he had put a picture of the headline and then comment on it. So the headline is, Brandon Prust mocks Kyle Dubas, says the Maple Leafs need an actual hockey GM. And then he goes... And then Brandon Prust comments, all I said was they should have picked Hunter instead of Dubis. Kyle is a fine GM. I just firmly believe the Leafs would be in a much better position if the, if they made Mark Hunter their GM. And yes, I did mock Dubis for wearing non-prescription eyeglasses. <laughs> I'll admit that. Okay. Do you not see the problem there? <laughs> He's such a goofball. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, in his first tweet, he said, Imagine the Maple Leafs picked an actual hockey GM when they had the chance. Then he says, No, I didn't call Kyle Dubas. Say he wasn't an actual GM, hockey GM. 
Huh? Am I the only one confused by this? Um, I mean, hey, the the biggest thing Brandon Press ever did in his life was throw Steven Stamkos' elbow pads into the stands of the Bell Center. So, I mean, the guy isn't relevant. I know, but it was big hockey news in Toronto, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought it. That quote's old. No, what do you mean that quote's old? December 8th. The Mark Hunter shop? I swear he said that before. Oh, November twentieth. The reason that it was it was pre, uh, it, it was came back again is because he made a comment on a on a post. Oh, but I hadn't seen it the first time he said it, so because I just couldn't care less. <laughs> a quick thing, by the way, um, to show how garbage I am here, uh, the the uh, the Nemestikov goal got called back, and then Nick Cousins scored. So it's actually one nothing Montreal. So that's cool. Um, and by the way, did you see the Alex Kerfoot quote before the Vancouver Leafs game? I couldn't agree with them. I couldn't agree more with what he said, and I think that's hilarious. He's so like it's it's every it's not just Vancouver. It's, it's like Edmonton every, and Calgary. It, oh. and, and Montreal, I'll admit it, but like Vancouver is the worst with that stuff. Do you know who's? Do you know what? I know Vancouver is is pretty bad with that stuff, but you know who recently has become arguably worse? Who? The Edmonton Oilers. Oh, because they're good again, so they're cocky. Adam, I haven't. We haven't played the Edmonton Oilers once this season. They've been complaining since game one. I haven't. The thing is with Vancouver is they'll talk they'll talk trash just before we play the game and then I, and then right after we play the second game against them. The Edmonton Oilers whole season, whole season, and everyone in Toronto is just like, man, no one cares. You know what? No one like, cares. If if I had two players who already have fifty plus points, I thought I think like. I would hope that I'd be happy, you know. It's just because they know they're not going to make the playoffs. That's the thing. The Oilers? <laughs> yeah, man. Sorry, Alex. Can I'm you repeat that? I'm riding this till the end of the season. You're saying the Oilers are going to miss the playoffs? Yep. All right. I, I want everyone listening to record that because – I uh, will – yeah, man. I'm telling you. So school tender's gonna backfire. What's what's going on with with the backup situation in Toronto? Because for some reason it's the biggest story in the league, not the fact that they just creamed Vancouver and the Stanley Cup champions as well. Well, I think it's a big story in the league because their backup is 06 and one. In uh Kaskiswo and Hutchinson are 06 and one. Now I this I think one of the games was under Keefe for Hutchinson, but most of them were under Babcock, and it doesn't seem like they're going to do anything. And it's a little bit annoying because it's, I think, before I would have argued that they need a right-handy first, then they can go get their backup goalie. But now, looking at the way Keefe... Um, Keith has the pairings. I think, fine, if you need to wait for the rest of the season or you need to wait just to bring up Lilia Grin or Sandine, I don't mind sticking it out with one certain player who I will name soon. Um, 
this is their biggest issue. And there's a few names that I I think I would really like. Now, I'm not even going to go with uh, Tristan Yari just because I don't think it's an option anymore. It doesn't feel like it's the smartest thing to do uh, just because the price is going to be high. Now, here's one name I don't think a lot of people were talking about at the start of the season um, as a potential backup. Now, let me pull up. There we go. Alexander Georgiev, sorry, who is Mm. 8-5-1 this year, uh, 9-18 save percentage, 3.15 goals against average. Pretty good. And he is actually three games away from being waiver eligible. And, And the team also has a goalie down in the minors, 15 games played, 1.98 goals against average, and a 9.30 save percentage in Igor Shesterkin. Now, obviously, we know Lundqvist is getting older, and they I have no idea what their plan is on that end. Uh, I believe he has next... So next year is his last year at 8.5. Are they going to run it... Uh, with Georgiev and Lundqvist for the next two years? Or do they trade Georgiev? I think Shosturkin is your goalie for the future. He is a potential option. You look at someone even like Ryan Miller. The thing is with... Sorry, I know I'm bouncing around here, but the thing is with this team is that the cap space is a nightmare. The cap space is an absolute nightmare. So bringing in someone like... Ryan Miller, who has a cap hit of 1.125, is already too much money. And I think he could be a potential option. He's 4 2 and 2, and 908 save percentage, and three, three goals against average. Which is better than Hutchinson. Which is better than Hutchinson. And I, and I sat down, I said, okay, what do you want in a goalie? In a backup goalie, sorry. And I, I think. So, honestly, a, anything above nine oh five would kind of make me happy. Anything above a nine oh five would make me happy. Plus, the rest of the league is going to try and get as much out of you for a backup because they know that's your one big need, right? Right. And I don't think the thing is the league average save percentage is nine oh six. And it's I don't know that much. Yeah, right now it's nine oh six, and I don't know if I'm being too picky on what I want my save percentage to be. I I just I just want a goalie that's better than Hutchinson, and and I'm sorry, like, and I don't think Kasky swells an option. Just sure he looked better than Hutchinson, but. I, I just I don't know, and I don't think Hutchinson is an option. Obviously, I really hope they do something. I don't necessarily know what they're waiting for. He Hutchinson could potentially play again tomorrow night against Calgary. Uh, Keith said he wanted to play him again uh, one time on this road trip, which I believe ends on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. And he better not play 
Michael Hutchinson against the Oilers because that's a nightmare. That is a nightmare waiting to happen. I, I can't imagine how bad that could go. I can't. So, yeah. What's it like? Uh, I need to ask you this really quickly. Then I'll let you keep going here. But Montreal and Toronto. Montreal has a game in hand. But, you know, we, what do we really think about those? But they're tied for points right now. Like, how, how do you feel? How do you feel right now? Because I'm stressed. Oh, I'm I'm stressed. Here's the thing. If Mike Babcock was skill coach, I'd be a whole nother level of stressed because this team, the team never looked like they cared. The team just it looked scared on the ice. And I know that's something I wanted to bring up uh, later when it comes to how Keefe's team looked at, looks different from Babcock's team. But I'm a little bit stressed, but I think this team can make the playoffs because I think it has the talent. And last night's game in St. Louis, this game against St. Louis, are really proving to me and I think a lot of fans that this team has what it takes to make the playoffs. This team is not a Mike Babcock team anymore. This team is a Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe team. And sure, they have a crazy ton of defense Defensive lapses, you saw last night alone, three breakaways in the third period. And no, that's not acceptable. But I think that's something Keith works on. And at the end of the day, he knows that this team can put in six or seven, six goals a game if they want, if they want to. It's, and I get Mike Babcock was preach. It seemed like all he was preaching is grind this. uh, You got to keep grinding. You got to keep grinding. Uh, It's, Defense, defense, defense. But that's not how this team plays or is designed to play. They have, sure, they have a lot of holes on on the back end, but it's not a major concern for me right now, especially since I have to deal with the backup goalie situation. Mm. So... Yeah, I'm nervous, but I have faith in this team because I know what, even though I I don't necessarily think I've seen it yet, I know what the potential of this team will be and will look like under Sheldon Keefe. I I can't wait till it's Montreal and Toronto fighting for third in the Atlantic till the bitter end of the season and we end up killing each other on this show. You know it's the last game, right? Montreal and Toronto play the last day. It's they're both of their last games. Alex, I don't like that. I think we have to record a live podcast while the game is going. Okay, sweet. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna have to do a lot of a lot of editing because I'm gonna be oh. swearing a lot. But but Alex, anyway, when it comes to the Leafs, we talked a lot about backup calling. We're talking about some coaching here, but. What about their defense? Because I think that's always it's been like a criticism of this team for the past few years, going back to when it's really started being competitive under Babcock, and a lot of people are starting to mention Lindgren and Sandine again. <clears throat> yeah, there this is something I think I think both those players could potentially get the Travis Dermott treatment. We'll see it in let's say uh, I think Dermot came up in February. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I know for sure Sandine, I think, 
Sandine should get that treatment. Now, I haven't seen much of Lilligren just because I haven't watched a lot of Marley's games. But from what I have seen, I think he's either going to be ready by that time or he could potentially be ready or he will for sure, sorry, for sure be ready by the beginning of next year, especially during a time where the Leafs are going to be in a tricky situation with their defense, where Barry is out of contract, Muzzin's out of contract, Dermot's in RFA, and Cody Cece is is a UFA. So those two players are quite important in in the future of this Leafs defense. Now, I'm going to pull up their cap friendly as I continue talking. Now, I know I wrote down, okay, so there's two ways to look at this defense because this defense does need work. It it's, it would be stupid of me to sit here and tell you, no, this defense is fine. Uh, it's the backup goalie. And that's true. The backup goalie, I think, is their number one priority and should be their number one priority right now. Uh, potentially you could say that getting rid of Cody CC should be their number one priority, but who the hell wants that? Oh, I'd Simon. Stop it. Uh, hey, man, you want, I'll take, I'll take who you want for Cody CC. No, or no, no. what do you I, want I, for I, Cody CC, man? I would re-sign him in Toronto because it's no. great content for the show. Stop it. Stop it. There's going to be great content for the show no matter what, okay? Osner for CC one for one. I'll do it all day. No, that's the whole reason we got rid of Nikita Zaitsev. Stop it. So, I think if we're looking if we're looking ahead, the future of this Leafs defense, I think, is mainly internal. You have Morgan Riley, Travis Dermott, Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Sandin. That's four right there. That's four players right there. Justin. I don't think he's the future of this defense, but he's a bottom pairing defenseman who the Leafs could use next year. I think if they do decide to bring back, listen, I don't know who they're going to bring back and I still haven't made a clear decision. If, if it should be Jake Muzzin or Tyson Berry, or they might not bring back either of them, Hmm. but they do need to bring if they decide not to bring those two players back, they are going to have to bring in another de- defenseman through free agency. And I don't want to say it because I don't want to get too confident in it. And I know the le- chances of this happening are absolutely like minute. Oh, I know where you're going. If Alex Petrangelo comes to the Leafs, I'm, that's like I might cry a little bit. Yeah, a so. Little bit. I will cry. And I, listen. It would, and I know John Tavares was the biggest free agent signing in Lee in I. You could argue Leafs history. In, in NHL history, the only you one could ar- is Chara. Yeah, but to bring Alex Petrangelo to Toronto would be, especially it's something that the Leafs desperately need. That's one of those days where I just sit at home on the couch and watch free agency frenzy all day. That's how I. That's how I'd react. I don't even know what I would say. I'd probably call you and laugh a little bit, but then I'd hang up. But I think I'd I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. Obviously, I don't think I'd pick up the. Fun. Thank God <laughs> we know each other when Tavares signed, because honestly, Alex, I don't think we'd be friends. 
Yeah, but we were the when. <laughs> No. That's funny. That's that funny. Summer before we started at Ryerson. No, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying we knew that he wasn't going to Montreal at that point, so I don't know. Some of us had hope. What do you mean? He didn't give them a meeting. Alex, I know. All right. Okay, I'm just making sure you know. Um, but I think for the most part, since let's just let me just wrap this up uh, on the defense is. This most of the solution for this defense is internal. Uh, you got Sandine and you got Lily Grand, and you got a couple other players who look like they could be good. Uh, Matt Hollowell, uh, I don't know any like I, I've heard good things about Joseph uh, Duzak, so we'll see what is up there. Plus, I have confidence in them to draft their defense well especially since you know they picked Rasmus Sandin so we'll see and they picked a couple uh in last year in the 2019 draft so I am I forgot who you forgot magic hand Marty Marinson okay match Marty Marinson is a great AHL player but I don't think he's an NHL player no he he kind of falls he kind of falls into the same um, same boat as someone like Nick Patan, but on the lead. Like, you know what I mean? Can I just like, I bet that Alex is, is so professional that he gave my joke so much credence. I only like Marty Marinson because he has the best nickname in the league. <laughs> I listen, man. I just guys, and I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm not going to take that take. Um, I took. I fully took the Nick Patan take from from uh, JD Bunkus. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, they were talking about either today or yesterday on uh, Leafs Hour, but since you brought it up, I'll just take it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't keep it to myself. No. No. There. There's been nine games in. Uh, Sheldon Keefe's tenure as Leafs coach and I think this team looks so different would you agree with that uh, you know I've actually had the chance to w- catch a couple Leafs games unfortunately it's them winning so uh, yeah I mean the, you know there's still those holes but you're always gonna have those, you don't fix those overnight but um, <clears throat> Alex you know me I've been saying all year that I have no issue like I I said last week that the backup stuff could cost them a playoff spot, but that's for the sake of creating the show. Uh, you know for a fact, every conversation we've had on and off the podcast, that even as a Habs fan, I have no doubt that this team is going to pick it up. And it looks like this little stretch has been a big statement for them. And so do they look different? Do they look like the Toronto Maple Leafs that I thought they were going to be? Yes, they do. You can not and- even and it's not even the team as a whole. I think there's individual players. Like one player in in particular, John Tavares has had two of by far the best games of the season. He's The last two games. Why is he happy all of a sudden? Why is he? Oh, maybe because he-, he has a coach, good coach that, you know, he likes. Well, well, you I don't know. know. I don't know. I can't the figure of- that one out. I uh, know. Yeah. It's almost like uh, the mentally abusive coach they had is gone. <laughs> yeah. Speaking like, of 
Speaking of Mike Babcock, oh dear, I have an update. Yeah, great. Now, we haven't heard now, enough about this guy. Now we haven't really heard a lot from Brendan Shanahan since the incident happened, and he was obviously at the board of governors meeting, and someone asked him about the murder incident, and I didn't want to redo the entire quote because a lot of it was stuff that we kind of already knew, but I thought this stuff was this set of quote was interesting in particular. He goes, I know our general manager at the time, which was Lou uh, had called me and let me know about it right away and had addressed it right away with Mike. Mike apologized to Mitch and there was communication with Lamorello and the agent and the family. Just remember that. It wasn't something that was appropriate or acceptable to us. Since then, my general manager, whether it was Lou or Kyle, had never come to us with a, with a situation like that. Do you notice anything interesting that helps what I was saying? Uh, Alex? There was communication with Lamorello, the agent, and the family. Which means... Mr. Paul Marner, who we know likes to talk, knew all about this. And the agent of everyone, I'm not surprised that they knew about it. No. I'm not surprised. But I said when Babcock was fired and all this stuff came out, that it really screwed with the Marner negotiation. Mm -hmm. It really did. And I think the more that we hear about it, the more I believe that it really screwed with the Marner negotiation. Because at the end of the day, sure, Marner wants to be with, uh, be a Toronto Maple Leaf. We knew that from day one. We knew that the day he, we knew he was holding out. But he wanted to make sure that this team he wanted to give this team an FU. He wanted to make it known that he's like, I don't care. You guys screwed me. Let's be honest. Those performance bonuses he made last week in advertisements. You think he cares? He think he gives a crap about perform those performance bonuses? Man, he makes that probably makes that a week. He doesn't care. He, I don't. I. And I can't, obviously, I can't confirm it. I really think it had something to do with Babcock. And I think there's more to, there might, there, I can't confirm this. I wouldn't be surprised if there was more to this. Oh, there definitely is. There's more stories. There's more this. And I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. I, listen, I said I was disappointed in this. When this first came out, I think I was dis I was disappointed in the organization for about this. And I know Brendan Shanahan also came out and said, oh, he said he didn't know about the Johan Franson incident because I don't think uh, Shanahan was on the team at the time. But he was on the team when I believe Babcock was coach. Yes. And maybe... Because we know the first few years are okay with Babcock, right? Like that, this seems to be something repetitive that from from Detroit is that the first few years 
it doesn't seem like there's major concerns, some minor things here or there. And then after like three years, things start to get out of hand because the team just doesn't care anymore because they're not listening to him. So, I don't know, man. Well, Alex. There's just a, a lot to unpack, and obviously we're going to get to more of a discussion of uh, of hockey culture and all the stuff that went down and should stop going down. Hmm. Well, uh, do you mind if I just do some hab stuff to close go up? Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't gotten, like, to watch a lot of the games since coming going, like, to work again. But uh, just, for the, just for the winter break, ladies and gentlemen, I won't be this garbage forever. Just for four weeks. Um, this is from Renaud Lavoie, probably one of the more reliable guys when it comes to the Habs. A lot of talks about, sorry, quote, lots of talks about Taylor Hall, who's on the trading block. The Canadians are not in the mix, I'm told, so don't bet on that possibility. Question now where he will land, and can it be done for Holly's, obviously. So, end quote. Uh, so, yeah, the Habs, we talked about last week. Taylor Hall didn't really make sense when you look at it now. Where the Habs are, it doesn't make sense for him to get, for them to get him. And uh, officially, Alex, on a boat, I, don't, I, I know I've gone on this before, but going to Habs games is special. And when they do the starting lineup, they used to play Fix You by Coldplay, and they've now changed it to... Um, Who's Baba O'Reilly? I have never heard of the song before, but uh, I'm very sad about it, Alex. Um, <clears throat> really sad. But uh, I, I, I know I, you I, want me to get to the real stuff, but I just needed to mention that quickly. I'm yeah, really sad no. about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Right, so the Habs have won three of their last four all of a sudden, which is really nice. And uh, are, are you surprised? See, uh, no, because you know what, Colorado. I didn't expect them to win. I told you I expected them to go out and beat the Rangers, but I thought they were going to be feisty. So the big turret around here is Claude Julien has completely changed Montreal style to their it's it's boring hockey, but it's defensive hockey that they're all buying into, and you can take that with this team. The fan base can endure some boring games. So the yeah, um, Pittsburgh I expected them to win. Because Alex Galchenyuk was getting really selfish and he was trying to score. And uh, did you see what Mario Lemieux said? I saw it before we started recording, but I didn't get a good glimpse of exactly what it said. So he's basically complaining that Montreal beat Pittsburgh with boring hockey. Now, Alex, you've watched the half. Well, you said it. You said you just said it yourself. Yeah, but at the same time. And then Rob Rossi went on to say, like, the Habs always do it, right? Now, Alex, the last four games have been a yes, but the Habs, like, first of all, Mario, dude, I don't care. We have two points, and you don't. So piss off, dude. Like, like maybe, it was just, maybe it was just making an observation. I, I don't hear him making a lot of observations. This is the guy who almost... The guy who wanted to sell the Penguins. May I remind everyone here. Mary Lemieux is not a saint, and he's not even the second best player in the league's history, all right? Get out of here. Wow. You know who second is? Tell me. It's Bobby Orr. Third is Howe. Fourth is is Lemieux, all right? He was third, but he's gone down now. Wait, I'm who's number the, one? Number one is Wayne. I'm just joking. Like, I'm no. Just, I, I know. I, I'm just joking. <laughs> 
It's Wayne. Uh, the Habs called up Ryan Paling, though. Why do you have Fortnite on the notes, by the way, next to Ryan Paling? Did you not hear the reports that he plays for a lot of Fortnite? <laughs> See, here's the thing. He's apparently, from what I've seen, he's been really good in the game against the Sens so far. Like, what he looked like before he had his concussion. So, like, if he wasn't looking good, I could blame it on Fortnite. Well, apparently he wasn't looking good in the AHL. That's, what, that's the reason I wrote it there. Oh, no, I've uh, actually seen stuff that's that's contrary to that. That he's been maybe not producing, but he's looked smart at times. So it's a, it, consistent. Yeah, that's the thing. So it says here, uh, Paling did have a rough stretch. However, he's turned it on lately with five points in four games. That is with the Laval Rocket. Yeah, and I know he he did play some wing in there too to try and jumpstart him. So. Um, the good thing is, like, and I talked about how mad I was when it looked like they weren't calling him up. But then, excuse me, um, Michael Pekka got injured in the game the other day. Um, so I think then they resulted in calling up Brian Pelling as, as well as Riley Barber. So it, it looks like now hopefully Paling will finally get a good look. Um, I swear to God, though, if Jake Evans is not the next call, I'm going to lose my mind. Okay, I have a question. I have a question for you. Yeah. It's about Ryan Paling. Yeah, he's awesome. And, no, I know he's awesome. And it's not necessarily <laughs> you, but I've heard a lot of things said about Ryan Paling after he had one one game against and, – and I'm not taking it personally because it was against the Leafs. It's a legitimate question. Yeah. What is Ryan Paling's potential? Because it seemed last year he had a hat trick in one game and everyone lost their mind and said, this guy's going to be – uh, the next best thing, and mm. then it seems like he started this year kind of slowly, and then he got a concussion, and then he's now back, right? So what is yeah. his potential? Well, just to give you some context for those of you who don't know, of course, he scored in that last home game, of the last game period for the Habs last season. It was a hat-trick against the Leafs, yeah. I mean, one of them was a, was a 2-1-1. One was a garbage scrum in front, right? So, and at the, at the end of the day, Alex, both of us know that game didn't mean anything. The Leafs are in, the Habs got eliminated about two nights before. Um, Ryan Pelling is a former first overall pick, of course. He played some World Junior time and all that. I am not sitting here. Yoel Bouchard, Laval's head coach, said the same thing. Ryan Paling is not going to dominate the NHL. Uh, honestly, if he turns out to be a great second-line center, that's an advantage. His, his ceiling is a middle six player. He's going to be a fantastic third-line center one day. That's what I'll say about Ryan Paley. Is there anything wrong with that? No. No, no, there isn't. No, I, I just want to ask because after that game, it just seemed like everyone had such high expectations for this guy. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what what a level-headed Habs fan had to say about it. Also, um, this year – see. What really sucks about Ryan Paling to start this year was he actually looked really, really good in preseason. I remember he told there was a pregame where he toe dragged Aaron Eckblad and made him look like a fool. He looked fantastic, but then got the concussion. Suzuki took what I thought was going to be his spot, and then he just I don't think he fully recovered from it. So, I, I mean, hey, it, it, he it, the position he's in now, the look out, the look he's going to get is probably what he'll be. Max in the HL, great penalty kill and all that. But yeah, he's he's a he's a middle six center to be honest with you. Maybe a middle six winger, probably a center. But yeah, it's 
Don't, it, don't anyone tell you that Ryan Paling is going to be a star one day. He's okay, not. so I'm going to make a Leafs comparison just so I better understand because that's how my brain works. Yeah. Is he like if Kasperi Kapanen played center? He can drive. He can say. drive his own third. He can drive a third line, but he can put up points on the second line. I think so. Yeah, but obviously okay. not foot speed, and I know that's not where you're getting at. But yeah, I think that's a good comparison, Alex. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought you were going to go Freddie Gauthier. I'm like, no, I think he's a bit more above Freddie, but he's not. No. Like, I he, was, I was originally going to say Kerfoot, but I think I, I thought Kappen. I, I thought Kappen was better. About Kerfoot either to really tell you, but um, but Honestly, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He's hey, you got Tyson Berry. Yeah, I know. He actually looks like a defenseman now. Weird. Yes, I know. Who knew he could? He was a good defenseman. I know, right? Not like. Yeah. Can I restake my claim on signing Barry over Muzzin? Can I go back on how I I wussed out of that when things were looking you bad? Can, you can go right ahead. Okay. I don't even know who they should resign. But it will be it will be hilarious to see. But Alex, I think are we good? Yeah. I, I want, of course, I want to take a second to apologize to you, Alex, and the listeners. I know today has not been my best episode, and um, of course, if you're listening to the first time for the first time today, please know I'm not normally this bad. I only normally interrupt Alex once or twice a show, but today I think I've done it at least seven times. But um, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Two One Podcast, though. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe, review on all the platforms that you see this on. Check out the show's Instagram and YouTube channel. All that will be in the link description. All that, sorry, will, uh, the links will be in the description of this podcast. Uh, so, so will be our social medias and all that. Again, uh, we said we we're going to do it today, but circumstances don't allow it. But this Sunday, probably for sure, we're going to do our hockey culture breakdown stuff. We're, we're t- probably talk about, for sure, Babcock, Bill Peters, Akeem Alou, the new uh, four-point system by the NHL. Um, there seems to be this new zero-tolerance stuff. Uh, it's going to be stuff that me and Alex are going to prepare very much for. Probably going to have Daniel. He's the voice of reason. I, I don't know about you, Alex, but I'm very excited for that episode. Yeah, I had a lot of notes prepared for today. It sucks that Daniel couldn't come on, but I am ready for this discussion. So, at the end of the day, it's Daniel's fault. No, don't say that. I love you, Daniel, if you're listening to that. Uh, also, and again, because I have work tomorrow, uh, if we went through the power hour quickly, it, it's also because uh, I need to sleep. And I <laughs> told Alex we can't go longer than an hour. So, so again, that's me, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, yeah, we will be – I will be better in the future. Awesome. All right. Um, I guess that's it, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>